I am excited to kick off our summer sermon series about why it is good news that Jesus has called us together to be in community. Over the summer, we will look more deeply into the nature of community and our calling to be a community of people trying our best to follow Jesus. We will focus on the first nine chapters of the Acts of the Apostles, which really is a history book uh, that tells us about the earliest gatherings of the followers of Jesus, how they were formed and how they functioned. And I say gatherings intentionally because um, there was no tall steeple first Christian church of Jerusalem at the time of today's reading. In fact, the word Christian was non-existent. What you had was a group of people who had experienced a remarkable event, Pentecost, the giving of the Spirit of Jesus to everyone who opened their heart to receive the gift. After that happened, the Spirit of Christ led them to form a community, a fellowship of followers of Jesus. I think we are often inclined to believe, and we preachers are certainly inclined to preach, that the reason we are called into community primarily is so that we can do something for God, or God can do something for us. And that much is true, I'm sure, but the truth goes so much deeper than that. In the New Testament, I would say that there are three events which are foundational to the creation of the church. The cross, the resurrection, and the giving of the Spirit. When we receive God's gift of grace and the gift of Spirit at the time of our baptism, we become children of the living God. We are joined in the community of the family of God. One article I read offered this beautiful image. Having received his Holy Spirit, we have become as close to God the Father as Jesus himself. And like him, neither death nor life can remove this relationship. By the Holy Spirit, God has become closer to us than we are to ourselves. In this moment, we have become one with God and we have joined the eternal dance of the Trinity. Friends, because we all matter to Jesus, the arms of Jesus stretched out on the cross are extended to all who wish to be embraced by his love. His desire is that those who respond may be drawn into one worldwide community of love, reconciled not only to God, but to one another. The ministry of the Spirit given at Pentecost is now to be used to build the community, the church, as God's community, the body of Christ. The kingdom of God is really a kingdom of right relationships. As Brian Hathaway wrote in his book, Living Below with the Saints We Know, it was to establish relationships like those enjoyed within the Trinity 
that Jesus came to this earth. He prayed for it. He died for it. He sent the Holy Spirit for it. He is interceding for it now. He is coming back for it. Authentic revival in the church must always include a revival of community life. The Bible as a whole is fundamentally about relationships and promises in relationships. The two greatest commands on which, according to Jesus, all the others depend are concerned with relationships with God and relationships with one another. One estimate is that about 44% of the letters of the New Testament are about how we should get along with one another. 44%. God desires to create the church as a beautiful reflection of community. It will never be a perfect reflection in this life, but it is how God chose to be revealed to this world. Jesus spent about two and a half years seeking and trying to build a small group of followers into a true community. It was never perfect, but it was the core foundation upon which the church was built. And because the Spirit of Jesus lives in you and in me, and as we grow in our knowledge and experience of that power of that Spirit in us, we will live more fully into the experience of community God intends for all of us to enjoy. Of course, the ultimate community will be what we experience in the new heavens and the new earth, so beautifully pictured in Revelation 21 and 22. In the city of God, all barriers to deep and lasting relationships will be forever removed. In the words of scripture, there will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things will have passed away. Sin will be no more. It will no longer damage and break relationships. And as far as our relationship to God is concerned, there will be a closeness we can only imagine. As scripture says, for they will be God's people, and God will be with them and they will see God face to face. On that day, we will be united in the truest and the purest form of community as we join the eternal dance of the Trinity, the eternal dance with God face to face. So by now, you're probably getting my point about how central the experience of community is in our life of faith together. I am so excited about focusing on this theme for the summer, particularly at this transition point in our church's life, because transitions are good times to get back to the basics. Dr. Gilbert Bilizikian, who wrote a book called Community 101, speaking of back to the basics, is so convinced about the central role of community in our Christian lives that he made this radical statement. Since community alone will survive, 
from this world to the next. And he's talking about that description of community in Revelation I just shared with you. Since community alone will survive from this world into the next, it is ultimately the only thing God is doing today that has eternal significance. And I'm just going to read that one more time. Since community alone will survive from this world into the next, it is ultimately the only thing God is doing today that has eternal significance. Wow. What in the world might that mean for us right now in our relationships? At home, at school, at work? What in the world might that mean for us here at Mercer Island Presbyterian Church? I like the definition of church given by theologian Andrew Kirk. He said that what the New Testament means by church is not an institution which owns property, even if it's wonderful property like ours. It is not an institution that performs rites and organizes meetings or even one that plans strategies to evangelize unreached peoples. No, the church is a group of ordinary people who, because they are experiencing the immense grace of a compassionate God, are learning how to overcome hostility between people, to forgive and to trust one another, to share what they have, and to encourage one another in healthy and joyful relationships. That is his definition of church. Friends, we live in a community-starved world. Psychiatrist Jean Rosenbaum estimated that loneliness is America's greatest killers of those who die between the ages of 2 and 37 and that 94% of people suffer from chronic alienation. Mother Teresa said that the worst disease in today's world is not leprosy or cancer. It is the feeling of being uncared for, unwanted, of being deserted and alone. The church can have no greater impact today than by modeling true community as God intended. I will tell you that most people under the age of 40 or maybe even 45 will not be attracted to a church because of the institution or the denomination it represents or the opportunities that we might give to them to sit on a committee. <laughs> uh, unless that committee, of course, is intentionally being uh, a community. Now, who here today has a profile on Facebook? Raise your hand. Quite a few, quite a few. Who tweets? Raise your hand. Okay, I had to even call my godson to find out how to ask that question properly. Not as many. Um, <laughs> people are finding ways to fulfill what I believe is our God-given desire to be in community. I confess I'm amazed at how people can 
can possibly maintain all of those connections. I can't, I don't. I do have a profile, but I haven't looked at it in months. So please don't write me messages there, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe how they can do it, but I am convinced that what they are attempting to maintain is a sense of community, a sense of belonging. Ralph Osborne, who's the executive director of Faith at Work, says that the search for community is our culture's deepest longing and the Christian faith's greatest promise. The search for community is our culture's deepest longing and our Christian faith's greatest promise. No doubt Jesus had this in mind when he spoke of the church as a city set on a hill. Jesus said that people will know who we are by the way we love one another. Certainly, that is what happened as the Holy Spirit empowered that first community of followers of Jesus to share all things in common. We have such a great opportunity as we are going through our strategic planning process right now to get back to the basics in the life of our church, to reflect on the importance of how to nurture and create Christian community here at MIPC. How is this gift of community we have been given different from what you experience at the beach club or on Facebook or on sports teams? Is it different? Should it be different? How is it the same? How should it be different? The Christian church over the centuries has had a difficult time focusing on the basics that that first community fellowship in Acts reflected so beautifully. The late Richard Halverson, who was a former U.S. Senate chaplain, once tried to explain, no doubt with tongue-in-cheek, but expressing some real truth, what has happened to the church over the centuries. Here's what he said. In the beginning, the church was a fellowship of men and women who centered their lives on the living Christ. They had a personal and vital relationship to the Lord. It transformed them and the world around them. Then the church moved to Greece, and it became a philosophy. Later it moved to Rome, and it became an institution. Next it moved to Europe, and it became a culture. Finally, it moved to America, and it became an enterprise. Friends, we have got far too many churches and far too few communities. Communities. We have been called to be the beloved community of our living Lord here at MIPC. Our hearts united in love for Jesus. In these weeks to come, let us focus on the good news that is embodied in this gift of community. Let us remember that 
Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47 describes a community of faith that is operating in the power of God's Spirit. They are signs of the Spirit within a community of people who understand themselves as united in purpose and identity. They are not a disconnected collection of individual churchgoers who are rushing off to the next activity of the day. Over the next few weeks, let us rediscover that power that has drawn us together as the community of faith here and has empowered us to be the body of Christ to each other and to the world. And to God be the glory. Let us pray. Holy God, if it is true that your church can have no greater impact today than by modeling true community as you intended, then lead us in the weeks and months and years ahead to live as you would have us live, that we might taste and see here and now the gift of communion that you have promised we will enjoy forever in your loving presence. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.